0: Welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we're talking about Sanctuary, a new film starring Christopher Abbott and Margaret Qualley. And it is a fun one. This is going to be a really fun one to talk about. Uh, Joining me today is Josh Bell from Awesome Movie Year. We have a great conversation coming up. Lots of really uh, fun, sexy depraved in some cases puzzle pieces but we will get into those here in a moment before we get to it i do want to remind you as always to make sure you are subscribed to piecing it together wherever it is that you listen to podcasts and you can follow us on social media at piecing pod on twitter and instagram and join our facebook group popcorn and puzzle pieces where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show You could also check out our Patreon, the Produced by David Rosen Patreon, where I post bonus and advanced content from Piecing It Together, awesome movie year, and from my music career, lots of great stuff over there on Patreon. Don't forget we have a live Piecing It Together coming up next week. I can't believe it's already the middle of June. That's crazy. Uh, Thursday, June 15th, Maya Cinemas. We are doing a show on the blackening. I've got Miss Michelle... Marlon Money Stevens, and Mikey VIP. It's going to be an awesome show. You can win tickets right now. Go to the website, peacingpod.com. Check it out in the show notes. You can sign up to win tickets. Otherwise, you can buy tickets to the 7 p.m. movie. And then you get to watch us talk about what might have inspired the blackening right there in the theater after the movie. And then, of course, we'll be up on the main feed the following week. But you should come to the show. It will be awesome to see you. So. That is what we've got going on. And right now, let's talk about Sanctuary. All right, Josh Bell is back with us. We're going to talk about Sanctuary. And before we get to it, Josh, what's the safe word for today's podcast? <laughs> is it puzzle piece? Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, Josh, I'm glad to have you back here. And I'm glad uh, we're talking about this movie. This is going to be a fun one to get into. Yeah,
1: I, I like this movie a lot. Uh, I know, like, I specifically asked you if you were going to be doing an episode on it because I had enjoyed it so much while watching it. And as I was taking notes to, like, write my review of it, I was writing down, like, movies to compare it to in my <laughs> review. And I thought, well, you know, I might as well just write it down a few more of these <laughs> and, nice, and I could be on a piecing it together episode.
0: Right on. Yeah. I mean, obviously, in a few weeks from now, we're going to do our, you know, middle of the year top 10. Uh, it, from what I've seen, I read most of your reviews. And I mean, this is, I think, one of your most glowing reviews of the year so far. So I'm assuming it's going to make an appearance when we get there.
1: Yeah, it is. And I'm sure we'll talk about the overall uh, assessment of the year when we do that. But this is definitely one of the few that I feel I could even be on my list at the end of the year. because yeah. I just I thought this movie was fantastic.
0: So have you seen anything else from this director, Zachary Wigan? I know he had done one other film. No, I haven't seen his other
1: film or anything else from the writer either. I think Wigan or Wigan or however you pronounce his name, I think his first film he wrote and directed. Mm-hmm. But this film he didn't write. And yeah. uh, that writer has done some other stuff, but I have not seen not anything from, uh, from either of them. But um, this was great. This was excellent yeah. work. I'd be curious to check out yeah. other stuff.
0: Absolutely. And of course, you know, I think one of the, the smartest things is getting these two stars for this. I mean, Christopher Abbott and Margaret Qualley are both like really exciting whenever they pop up in things. And they're actually both, I just noticed this before we started recording, they're both in the new York Lanthimos, which I, I think you're a little hit and miss on him, but I've loved everything that he's done. So right. I'm very excited about that. So. Yeah.
1: Is that the Emma Stone Frankenstein yeah. one?
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that'll be interesting to see them uh, getting back together again later this year. But yeah, I mean, a, a lot of really uh, interesting and great things kind of just coming together with this. So uh, it's a, it's an exciting one to talk about. But let's uh, get into some puzzle pieces and we'll figure out what's so great about it along the way.
1: All right. Well, speaking of Christopher Abbott, I'm going to start with a movie that I'm pretty sure I've mentioned at least once and maybe even more than once on this podcast and is is one of these smaller films that I feel like not a lot of people have heard of or appreciate, but that I I constantly am trying to advocate for. And Mm -hmm. it's another film starring Christopher Abbott, set mostly in a single hotel room, featuring a weird psychosexual dynamic between him and a female character and basically no other characters. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that this is the second time he's done one of these films. So uh, it's a film called Piercing, directed by Nicholas Pesci. Uh, The co star in that is Mia Wasikowska, and it's a bit more, well, not a bit, it's a lot more violent and dark in that movie. He's not just into sexual domination. He is essentially a budding serial killer, his character, who has decided that in order to kind of have an outlet for these urges and not harm his wife and child, he is going to get a hotel room and hire a prostitute and then kill the prostitute. And the woman that he has hired doesn't show up and her replacement played by Mia Wasikowska seems to be really also twisted and kind of into the idea of violence and perhaps a killer herself. And the whole movie is like Sanctuary, this kind of back and forth between them where you as a viewer don't quite know who is holding the most power and the characters also don't necessarily know who is holding the most power and they're kind of trying to trick each other but they're also really drawn to each other. And it's like, are they going to kill each other? Or are <laughs> they going to have sex? Are they falling in love? Or are they going to have a murder-suicide go on here? Sure. And it's also, I, to me, that movie is, there's a lot of humor to it. There's great performances. Uh, visually, it's very, very uh, inventive, really colorful, this kind of deliberately artificial set design that recalls uh, Giallo films, which it also quotes from a lot in the score. So a movie that, like I said, I constantly am advocating for. I think Pesci is a really underrated filmmaker, at least in this and his other film, The Eyes of My Mother, before he went and did a grudge movie. But uh, <laughs> that's great. And uh, if you like Sanctuary, I really think it's a movie that you would like.
0: Yeah, every time you have brought it up because you have brought it up a couple of times, <laughs> I I keep thinking to myself like I got to watch this movie. I actually thought about it while making my list here because like it just sounds like that kind of movie. So I'm glad you did bring it up again and maybe this will finally be the time that I get to it because yeah, uh, Christopher Rabbit is great and it just it always sounds like such an interesting movie and uh, uh you know, a fun like weird one and so uh, I I'm totally in for that. So I'm looking forward to checking that out finally. I will go for my first one with another movie about people who are maybe toxic for each other, uh, but also kind of perfect for each other. Uh, Malcolm and Marie, a movie that is very love it or hate it. And of course, we're recording this just as Sam Levinson's new show, The Idol, just premiered on HBO. And uh, obviously very love it or hate it. I think mostly hate. I don't know anybody that loves it. I would probably end up loving it, though, if I watched that. But uh, anyway, Malcolm and Marie, though... um, you know, another movie that is just two people in a room. They are at each other's throat the whole time. And it is a question of like, where is this going to go? Are they just going to continuously berate each other? Are they uh, going to fight? Are they going to have sex? Are they going to kill each other? Are they going to leave? Like, what exactly is going to go on with this? But really, we're just kind of getting this glimpse into the inner workings of this kind of toxic relationship, but a perfect one too, because it's just, it is who these people are. And, With Sanctuary, you know, we'll obviously be spoiling it along the way because that's what we do here. But, uh, you know, where they end up is it's kind of perfect for them. It's exactly where they belong. And uh, whether or not that was architected by, you know, Christopher Abbott's character, Hal, or Margaret Qualley's character, Rebecca, or a little combination of both, they really got each other into the perfect situation by the end.
1: Yeah. And that's one of the things that, I mean, I was really enjoying this movie overall, but especially at that end, I thought this is perfect, because as much as I love piercing, obviously, like I feel like it would be sort of an easy way out in a way if this and en- this movie ended with one of them like destroying the other one, if that was through actual physical violence or through some sort of like ultimate act of sabotage or whatever where his career has been completely decimated or. He uses his wealth and power to uh, you know, destroy her life or whatever. And yeah. and I love that that it's the opposite of that at the end, that these are people like their relationship isn't toxic. They're actually perfect for, the, for each other. Yeah. And the movie is about them kind of figuring that out and realizing that the relationship that they already have is the relationship yeah.
0: that they really want. I should say toxic by traditional standards. Yeah. Say. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no, absolutely. I agree. Uh, what do you have for your next piece? Well, I think really along
1: the the same lines is another movie where you watch and the whole time you kind of wonder, are these people... Toxic? Are they bad for each other? Are they going to destroy each other? And that once they finally figure out the 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 perfect balance for their relationship, you realize that all this fucked up stuff is exactly what you what they want. And that's uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's Phantom Thread, which mm, sure. is another. I, I have a bunch of kind of BDSM related films on here, <laughs> and ones that are, I think are ultimately positive, which I I loved about this film, and that's another one too, where. You, as an outsider, might think this is some real fucked up shit that these people are doing to each other, but they are exactly on the right wavelength for what each one of them needs. And it's another relationship where the man is very powerful, is very wealthy, and the woman seems to be potentially at a disadvantage from a class standpoint, but she understands his sexual and emotional needs better or more than anyone else ever could. And once they find that balance, you know that they're going to be incredibly happy together.
0: Absolutely. And Phantom Thread is one of those movies where it's like, I think when I first watched it, I loved it so much more the second time when I kind of got that about it. You know what I mean? It's just not readily apparent, I think, on that first viewing. And I mean, maybe, maybe for some people, it certainly wasn't for me. And as that starts to kind of reveal itself, it's like you really see just the intricacies of how they treat each other and and how perfect it is that they've found each other in that moment and so yeah that's exactly uh the kind of thing that we've got going on here in sanctuary so uh, i think that's a great one to bring up um i will go even though we end up in kind of a happy place uh i i will uh go with hustlers for my next puzzle piece the JLo lo stripper thriller where sex workers start blackmailing men uh for making use of their services and it's like you know they're you know doing this awful thing, but at the same time, it's kind of like, you know, fuck these guys, too, you know, like, who cares, they're gross, you know, so whatever, and that's kind of where you're at in the middle of Sanctuary, where it's like, like, oh, she's gonna start blackmailing him now, after, like, he's been as vulnerable as he could possibly be in that situation, and, and he's just trying to, like, kind of close it out, but then... As we've been discussing here, it just all ends up kind of turning in on itself and ends up being a good thing ultimately for both of them. Uh, But for that moment there, you're kind of in that zone of like the sex worker is, uh, you know, using that vulnerability and just destroying their client. (laughs) Right.
1: And you have a tendency, I think, to root for that, just like in Hustlers, because it's like, here's this guy who's incredibly wealthy, incredibly powerful. And not only is he incredibly wealthy, but he didn't even work for that, right? It was his right, father sure. who built this empire and he's just going to inherit it or whatever. So he's he's doubly privileged here and is trying to use that point of leverage to exploit this woman who doesn't have that, who is presumably working class or struggling or whatever. So yeah, I think so. I definitely think there's a point along the way in the movie. And I, I don't think they ever make him into a truly reprehensible person here but I mm-hmm. think there's a point where it could definitely go in that direction. And you could sure. think like the satisfying outcome is that, yeah, she totally like t- takes everything that he's got.
0: Um, yeah. And it's a good thing too, that they don't go in that direction because like, it would be such like a easy move to do. Like there's such a shorthand for, you know, these rich, powerful guys being, you know, bag pieces of shit. And it's like, you could do that. Sure. But this takes a different route. Right. And I, I much prefer that, but yeah. um I think,
1: you that conventional route is also some you know in hustlers which is a very good movie it is satisfying i mean i don't think those people like the clients that they steal from are almost they're barely not they're not even really characters right in that movie i mean you don't (laughs) learn about their emotional needs or anything like that and and uh, of the strippers don't try to find that out they're not serving anything right they kind of knock them out before they even really give them any kind of pleasure or satisfaction to be
0: yeah sure <laughs> yeah, those guys they really get taken for. But uh yes. what do you got for your next one?
1: Right. Well, I mean, I I guess I'll just uh, you know, stick with the BDSM theme and sure and I'll stick with this theme that again, I feel like what is really great about this movie and about Phantom Thread and I guess a couple others now that I'll mention is taking these kinds of relationships, not only taking them seriously, but take making sure to be empathetic about people who are in these kinds of relationships and how they work for the people that they work for and you know being emotionally honest about it so uh my next pick is Peter Strickland's Duke of Burgundy um mm. which is an extremely stylish film of course from from Peter Strickland and like all of his movies is set in perhaps some sort of alternate dimension. It seems mm-hmm. like, um, yeah. And this is a le- is a lesbian couple who are again in this kind of BDSM relationship that is possibly also sublimated through butterfly collecting of some kind. Mm. And so it's it's very strange, but it's also a movie where you go into it, and Strickland especially will drop you into a world where not only do you not quite understand the relationships, but even like what human beings do. In, the, in yeah. this particular setting, um, but you gradually come to realize that this is a relationship where it works so perfectly for these people, and they each have their exact roles, and they they are so satisfied by it. And it's a it's a beautiful romance when you get down to the end of it. And it's also very visually inventive, and I think that's a good thing here in this film too, where it takes place essentially all in the same room, but Zachary Wygon finds a way to move the camera and you know, kind of uh, show the sets and and the characters that doesn't just feel static and, and confined.
0: Sure. Yeah. And in a way, like this isn't a puzzle piece, but it reminded me a little bit of this year's Inside with Willem Dafoe, which is another movie that uses that one very small space and, and uh, just really makes use of every corner of it and like kind of, you know, makes you feel the entire, uh, you know, apartment. But, uh, yeah, as for Duke of Burgundy, I haven't seen that. Um, I did see in fabric, uh, Peter Strickland's other, one of his other films and, uh, didn't really understand what the oh hell man, is I going love on. In, I love
1: in fabric. <laughs> yeah.
0: So I don't know what I would feel like with uh, Duke of Burgundy, but I'm sure it's uh good and weird. Yeah. So, I
1: mean, all of his films are, I feel like he's just gotten weirder and weirder as it's yeah. which is good for him. I've, sure. I, I'm all for it.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Uh I will go. You know what? I'll stick with the strippers uh for my next puzzle piece. I'm gonna go with Zola, um, another sex stripper thriller, uh, but for a different reason with this one. Uh the reason why is the score specifically. Um, both movies share a very almost fairy tale-like score, which I think kind of clues you into where this is all headed, that this is almost in a way like like a princess story where this girl is uh, you know getting into this situation in kind of weird ways and weird terms but then by the end of it is going to end up on top and is going to end up with everything she could have ever dreamed out of this this relationship and uh, Zola had that same kind of uh, fairy tale quality to it even though it's obviously in these dark and dungy stripper turned you know prostituting situations uh, the music kind of helped sell that in, in creating that vibe.
1: Yeah. I mean I think in Zola it's meant to be like ironic maybe a bit, right? Because well, yeah, it's sure. not a fairy tale. It's not yeah. gonna work out yeah. for these people. It's in fact quite, quite dangerous and bad.
0: <laughs> but, sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean it's like Makes sense. A, a fucked up version, but you know. Yeah. Uh what do you have for your next one?
1: All right. Well, I mean I guess I'm I'm I feel like I'm getting through the same theme, but I just there's a lot of these films that I think are really good and really interesting. So another BDSM romance that um, probably the more more well-known than any of these others is uh, Secretary starring James Spader and Maggie Gyllenhaal, which I feel like was maybe one of the first movies where people or mainstream film audiences saw a relationship like this portrayed in a positive way and portrayed as emotionally satisfying for two people who. Can't really get that out of anything else. I think that's another thing is that, you know, these are characters where if they left this relationship, you know, these people in Sanctuary, they would not find this from someone else. Um, sure. You know, the, the fiancé that that Rebecca breaks up with over the phone or whatever is not going to give her the satisfaction that she gets from the relationship that she has with Hal. And if Hal finds some socially acceptable Uh, you know, wealthy woman to marry or whatever, he's not going to get what he gets from Rebecca. So, I mean, I think that's what is emphasized in that film especially is that these are people who feel like kind of personally marginalized that their desires or their emotional needs are not acceptable or are not considered mainstream or whatever. And they happen to find each other and this just whole world opens up to them. You know, both of those people, again, the, the powerful lawyer and the, the secretary, um, you know, there is that power imbalance, but because of their desires and emotional needs, they, they find exactly the right equilibrium. And, um, and it's very sexy. I mean, that's the other thing about these movies is that, um, they're erotic too. They're sensual, they're arousing. They're not just, you know, it's nothing, it's not being depicted as like gross and deviant or something
0: sure it's just what these people are into and yeah I, there's like a funny meme that's like uh you, you don't you're never born to uh you know be into bdsm you hear nine inch nails closer and then <laughs> it happens but for some people of the same age group it was secretary probably <laughs> that got them into it
1: quite possibly or or to be able to see if these are feelings that you're having and you don't understand or are ashamed or whatever to see a movie where it's not depicted as like the desires of a serial killer or whatever which is i think a more a much more common thing um but it's healthy and and good for people is you know is helpful
0: sure absolutely um I was thinking of What Happened Was, the Tom Noonan film that uh, we covered on Awesome Movie Year. Um, this is a very different kind of awkward date between two people, but you're still seeing into this room and seeing these two people and all of their weirdness and messiness and the awkwardness of what real relationships are. Uh, again, two very different kinds of real relationships, but still it's that that just stark realness to uh, to what you're seeing. Uh, reminded me a little bit of what's happening and what happened was
1: yeah that's it's interesting that we covered that on awesome movie year at a time when i remember i think it was kind of difficult for us to watch and since then it's had this like resurgence in interest and it's been restored and reissued and it was on the criterion channel i think it got a big like blu-ray release and it's i was sort of mixed on it i think when we watched it for the podcast but it has such a high level of appreciation now which is cool
0: yeah, absolutely. I think there was like a whole reissue and yeah, everything like that's uh, really cool to see movies that were, you know, hard to find start coming back. So that's great. Uh, what do you have for your next one?
1: Uh, well, um, this is this is sort of the the back to the darker side of things. But um, I, I did think of this, especially as Hal is uh, being chained up and in a moment in the film where we really think that maybe. Um, you know, something bad or violent is going to happen here. And I thought of Gerald's Game, the uh, Stephen mm. King adaptation with Carla Gugino. And and that's a movie that it doesn't necessarily depict BDSM as evil, but it's something where it's part of this kind of coercive relationship that her husband, who is abusive, uh, has sort of bullied her into doing something that she clearly doesn't want to do. And mm. she's chained up to this bed and her husband dies of a heart attack. And, you know, the movie is is largely her trying to work through her kind of past trauma as she figures out how to escape from this situation. So, I mean, I think it's still, it's you know, it's a very sympathetic film to that character. And Carla Gugino is great. And it's one of those books where you read the book and you think there's no way they can make this a movie. And Mike Flanagan does a really good job of it. Um, so it's, it's a BDSM kind of as a starting point, but mm. you know, no, no less valid of an exploration of what can be present in a relationship like this. If there isn't the right level of, of consent or communication.
0: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely the, the dark end of where things could go, but, uh, but yeah no interesting one and uh i've actually never seen it like oh. I've, I've heard good things about it but um yeah i've never actually seen it so i'm gonna have to watch that one of these days uh i will go with not a specific movie but i was thinking of uh so first of all you know christopher abbott is great and you know i, I always love when he pops up and things but in a lot of ways this is margaret qualley's film and i was thinking about gina rollins in john Cassavetes' films and uh you know a woman under the influence opening night just these movies where. She is just this larger-than-life, like, presence that just kind of looms over the whole film, just overpowers everything else in it, and uh, really gives her a big, huge stage to just act and perform and take over the entire film. And that's kind of how I felt about Margaret Qualley here. I think she is just giving just such a powerhouse performance, and it's hard to imagine somebody walking out of this movie without being like, wow, I want to see more out of that.
1: No, yeah, totally. She's amazing, and and not that Christopher Abbott isn't good because he is, and I right, think exactly his character is meant to be a you know a bit more reserved or whatever. And it would be easy as an actor to just get completely lost, and he doesn't. But yeah. but yeah, she's she's fantastic in this film. She's just amazing to watch and mesmerizing, and and again, it makes you believe that she could have this kind of power over this very wealthy, very powerful guy, even though she doesn't have any of those assets, but she has that personal magnetism that comes across immediately. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, what do you got
1: next? Uh, So uh, on a more vanilla level, Mm -hmm. but another movie about uh, mainly just two people in a hotel room um, and their sexual dynamic is um, one that's fairly recent. So it's possible they didn't even, you know, see it before uh, coming up with this film, but it's uh, Good Luck, Leo Grande, the uh, Emma Thompson film that is much sweeter, much nicer than this, but is also about someone kind of discovering and embracing their sexual desires that they'd been kept hidden or in denial about or whatever, or just figured that they wouldn't be acceptable for society. And in in this case, she's this uh, widow and her husband has died and she never really enjoyed their sex life. And she's giving herself the opportunity to go after what she wants by hiring this young male prostitute to spend time with her. And, you know, she gets too emotionally invested in it, and it gets a little intense for some of the moments. But for the most part, it is a really sweet movie about this woman finding confidence sexually and otherwise. And, of course, a great performance from Emma Emma Thompson.
0: Oh, yeah, she's great, and it's a great film. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it definitely... You know, it shows another uh, another angle of, of where people's relationships can go and uh, is, is, I think, a great film. So definitely a good one to uh, include here. I, as long as you're bringing up a recent movie that's maybe too recent for it to actually have been a piece, I'm going to do that too and go with Infinity Pool, another movie that we covered here on Piecing It Together. Another film from Neon uh, that focuses on sexually depraved people, depending on who you ask, uh, who are humiliating each other and themselves, and then with these brief, psychedelic, colorful interludes. So, uh, you know, got a lot of the same things going on in both. True. That is true. I feel like
1: uh, characters here end up in a better place.
0: (laughs) They very much do. Although... I don't know. Those people seem to like where they end up in Infinity Pool, even though it's uh, terrible, but they seem happy.
1: (laughs) I feel like those are the kind of, that's the depiction of these undeservedly wealthy, powerful people that, where we end up wanting them to be destroyed, you know, that that we're trying to kind of steer away from a bit here in this film. Yes,
0: absolutely.
1: What do you got next? So uh, my last piece is actually a movie that I think I probably... Included in our episode on Infinity Pool, but I will include it again. And that's Eyes Wide Shut, the Stanley Kubrick film. And I feel like that's a movie that is about someone who almost remains repressed the whole time, like goes on this journey of exploration of sexual deviance and is like, "Mm, no, uh uh-uh. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. Um, you know, yeah. Tom Cruise's character, who is very wealthy, although, uh, you know, as we talked about in Infinity Pool, part of the point is that he's so wealthy and yet he's still outside the echelon of the like, even more wealthy or whatever. Sure. Which one would imagine is might be where Christopher Abbott's character is in this film, although it's hard to determine.
0: Mental, like mental state, possibly, even though he's not really showing it. Kinda. Right, but
1: I mean the amount of money that he has as the heir mm-hmm. to this massive, you know, hotel empire or whatever as opposed to just a doctor yeah. as Tom Cruise's character. But but right, but I mean he goes on this exploration, he's really eager to go down that rabbit hole and he he wants to go to this mysterious orgy or whatever. He wants to be able to participate and when it comes down to it, like, yeah, he's threatened and all that stuff. But part of the reason is because the the real deviants know that he's not really one of them. Yeah. And the movie ends with him going back to his wife. And it's like, yeah, we just need to we need to fuck, you know, the two of us. Yeah. So the great last line of that film. Yeah. Um. But but I think it's it's trying to explore some of those similar
0: themes. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. A, a great one to include. And uh, yeah, I mean, come on, I. As much, I loved Infinity Pool earlier this year, as you know. And uh, you know, it movies that are inspired by this kind of uh, deviant, but like kind of like trying to hold themselves back from it, kind of thing, like like I don't know. There's something about that that I think eyes wide shut kind of rubs off on in a really good way, so. yeah. Yeah. Uh, I will then do my last piece, which we're talking about rich and powerful people. It's hard not to talk about a show that just ended called Succession. Um, You know, Basically, Christopher Abbott's character is a a perfect mix of uh, Kendall Roy and Roman Roy. Uh, And then by the end of the end of the movie, uh, you know, in case people haven't caught up with the end of succession yet, I'm not going to spoil it. But Margaret Qualley basically uh, takes on the role of one of the other characters by the end. But basically, there's a lot of the rich and powerful and just what they can do. There's an overbearing father that uh, this guy is, you know, in the shadow of and, I feel like a lot of insecurity, a lot of oddball posturing, and stuff like that. There's a lot of characteristics that are shared between uh, the the main three characters of Succession and uh, these characters here in Sanctuary. Yeah, I haven't watched Succession, but I know just
1: going on Letterboxd and looking at reviews of this, there's so many that reference that, or you know, this was the weirdest episode of Succession ever, or things like that. So I, <laughs> nice. it seemed to me that it was likely to come up
0: nice that's awesome uh all right i will go down the list of puzzle pieces we just talked about and we're getting some closing thoughts but we talked about piercing malcolm and marie phantom thread hustlers duke of burgundy zola secretary what happened was gerald game a bunch of gina Rollins. good luck leo grande infinity pool eyes wide shut and succession I will just say I was also trying to work in a meta piece. Of course, I, you know, always bring up adaptation, but like, you know, other things like The Lost City and Romancing the Stone, even Ruby Sparks, like something where, you know, these characters are writing out this script for them to play to each other. We don't know. Are they their characters in the script or are they, you know, what they actually want out of every scene? It's so difficult to tell. And that's part of what makes the movie exciting.
1: Yeah, I thought as I was watching this and I I think the actual ending is much better But I did think because especially, you know, it opens with them kind of going through this scene that you discover 10 or 15 minutes or whatever into the film has been completely scripted. Mm. And then it's like, oh, now the real story starts with this this power struggle where he's trying to fire her and she's trying to get money out of him or whatever. And there were points even as they go through all of this crazy stuff where I thought, I bet that this is going to end with showing that the entire thing was somehow a scripted interaction. Between yep. the two of them. And I kind of thought that that would have been a bit of a cop out because then the like emotional investment seems false. And I'm glad that that's not what it was, but it definitely made me think that that might happen.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I was in the same boat and uh, yeah, I'm I'm glad it ended where it did, but I totally was expecting it to go that way. So that's I, I, funny that you said that too. Um, any other closing thoughts, anything that we didn't quite get to here? I think we really covered
1: uh, a lot of it here, but yeah, I mean, I just, I really... I like this film. I think Margaret Qualley especially is fantastic in it. And I like that any kind of single location movie that can keep it interesting visually and uh, sonically, you know, when you mentioned the score and everything. I think that's that's an yeah. important thing to keep audience interest and in, that they do really well in this film. And I like to see a movie that, that treats these kinds of relationships, like all those other ones that I mentioned, um, you know, with emotional sincerity, because it is such, even now, I think it's such an obvious shorthand. If you have your serial killer character who, uh, you know, is into bondage or leather or whatever, you know, things like that. It's just an easy yeah. way to do that.
0: It's an interesting thing. The like wide range of where films that deal with these kinds of sexualities, like where they could go, they could go from totally dark to a happy ending. Like we have here, but anything and everywhere in between, obviously Something like Infinity Pool is an example, yeah. but uh, you know, it could go anywhere. Uh, only other thing I wanted to mention when Margaret Qualley's wearing the blonde wig, did, did you think that she could play a live action Lola Bunny? Because that was something that came to my mind. I didn't, but I will say that, not not for me personally,
1: but I think Lola Bunny was part of the sexual awakening for many people who were the right age when Space Jam came out.
0: That may be a good point there. Uh, all right, we'll close it out on that note. Uh, Josh, is there another movie you watched recently you'd like to recommend to our listeners?
1: Yeah, I'm going to recommend a movie that I think that you did not like, but I mm-hmm. liked a lot, and I think will probably come up on our little half year Episode, but I'll plug it now too, and that's uh, Nicole Hollifiner's "You Hurt My Feelings," which is out in theaters now, and I'm sure will be on demand very soon because it's you know a smaller kind of film, and that happens very quickly. But I I really like this film. I love Nicole Hollifiner. I think she's brilliant. I think it's a shame that she doesn't make a movie more often than every five years or so, and it's such a I think, I don't know if you said this or maybe other people said that it's like such a small, low stakes story where Mm -hmm. you could watch this, even if you read the description and you're like, oh, the main conflict in here is about this. And you watch the movie and it's like, wow, this is barely even a conflict in the movie. And I loved that about it because it just felt like a very honest, true slice of life kind of thing. Here are these people. I thought they were interesting people. They're flawed people. They're fun to watch. And it's incredibly well acted, Julia Louis-Dreyfus and Michaela Watkins, who is super underrated. So, yeah. I mean, certainly I think anyone who's into other Nicole Holofsinner films, you know, definitely will like this. But if you like those small scale indie dramedies that are just people hanging out, kind of navigating their relationships, it's another great example of that. And, and you should also watch all of Nicole Holofsinner's films.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I definitely was a little let down by it. You're right. But uh, you know, I think people should definitely check it out. And there was a lot of things I do like about it it just didn't all quite come together. I will say David Cross and Amber Tamlin's whole, like every time they were on screen, I was laughing. So I liked everything with them.
1: Yeah, that was great. And I can imagine them. I mean, I'm sure they get along fine in their real marriage, but I could imagine them kind of egging each other on to do that bit (laughs) together because of their real relationship. Absolutely. Josh, where can people find you and Awesome Movie Year? Oh, so many things. Um, awesome Movie <laughs> Year is, I think, probably still we're in our season on the films of 1975, which has been really cool and really fun. Lots of major milestone films and some interesting weird ones, too. We're at AwesomeMovieYear.com and at AwesomeMovieYear on Facebook and Instagram and Awesome Movie Pod on Twitter. Uh, my stuff is at joshbellhateseverything.com. Old stuff there mostly, but also Josh Bell Hates Everything on Facebook, at Signal Bleed on Twitter, and at Signal Bleed on Letterboxd. And if you're in Vegas, you can check me out every Friday on the 11 a.m. KTNV Channel 13 news reviewing new movies.
0: Awesome. Well, Josh, as always, great having you here. And I look forward to next time. Can't wait.
1: Years we've covered in past seasons include 1994, 2003, 1977, and 1984. And we've got all of film history to look forward to. So check us out at AwesomeMovieYear.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: All right, so that does it for Sanctuary. Thanks to Josh Bell for joining me on that one. And thanks to all of you for listening. If you're enjoying Piecing It Together, make sure you're subscribed. And if you're already subscribed and you're enjoying Piecing It Together, Maybe drop a five-star rating and review wherever it is that you're listening. If that's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, drop a five-star rating. It helps make sure the show keeps getting featured, keeps getting up in the rankings, and that more people listen to it, and that's what I'm trying to do here. So thank you to everyone who is already doing that, and thank you to you if you end up doing that. You could also check out our Produced by David Rose and Patreon I told you about at the top of the show. Come out to our live show I told you about at the top of the show. Join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. I told you about that at the top of the show, too. You know what I didn't tell you about at the top of the show? That today, when this goes up, is the last day to get in on our... I shouldn't say hour. Well, it's hours in me and my pets, but... It's not ours in this podcast. This is a separate thing from the podcast, but it's still me. Uh, The Pup Pups, my comedy album of songs about, and in some cases sung by my dogs and cats, Uh, is an album I've talked about for years. I've been working on this for pretty much 15 years since Harvey was a puppy. And uh, it's finally done, and it's coming out July 1st. And today is the last day that with the pre-order, if you get your pre-order in today you can get your pet's name in the special bonus song that I'm recording tomorrow uh, to finish up the album before I send it out to get pressed up on CD. So get your pre-orders in at thepuppups.bandcamp.com. There's also a link to it on my website by davidrosen.com. You could also get your pre-orders in by PayPal. There's a link there as well. So expect more from the Puppups in the coming weeks. And uh yeah, with that said, let's close this out with a piece of music, and uh, I would love to promote the Pup Pup some more, but I don't think that would be a good fit for Sanctuary. So uh, let's go with something that sounds a little sexy, a little like it would fit a little better with this movie. How about that? This is a track called Moonlight, which is available really only as a library track, like in the various music libraries where companies license my music. Although one of those companies actually put this song on Spotify. I still don't really understand the legalities of that. I mean, I do get paid royalties when it gets played, but like, I never said I wanted my song on Spotify without me specifically putting it there. But, uh, you know what? They thought it would be a good fit and guess what? It gets a lot of plays. So, uh, hopefully some of those people are going and checking out the rest of my albums so this is moonlight hope you enjoy it we'll be back with more piecing it together real soon